What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Whiskey Web and Whatnot with myself, Robert William Wagner, and my co-host, as always, Charles William Carpenter III, with our guest today, Chase Granberry. What's going on, Chase? Hi, hi. So, Chase is from something you folks may have heard of called Superbase. But before we get too much into what exactly that is and the ins and outs of that, Chase, do you want to give people a little intro into who you are and what you do? Yeah, I uh from Phoenix, Arizona. I was born and raised here, currently live here. Just kind of been involved in the internet for a long time. Today's my birthday, actually. Oh, yes. Just Happy turned, birthday. Nice. Thank you. Just turned 40, so I'm old, <laughs> especially in internet years. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I long time ago, I started um, a software company that I bootstrapped here. It was like an internet marketing like a campaign, like basically online advertising, well, SEO, can't we, we tracked SEO campaigns for clients. And so we had software that interactive ad agencies would use and brands would use to track the success of their like SEO campaigns. And then I sold that a few years ago and uh, was trying to figure out what was next and kind of had this idea for a logging, like centralized logging service called Logflare. Started that and ended up basically like kind of acquire hire like Superbase kind of acquire hired me and Logflare and I've been at Superbase for a year, just about this month, doing I just collect logs and try and do observability stuff and try and get logs into the Superbase dashboard and charts in there and hopefully we'll have we should have more of that actually coming, dropping very soon. Uh, there's, um, we got another launch week coming up in like three weeks. So there should be some new stuff dropping then. And yeah, just try and support the team with kind of like this centralized logging solution and try and pull out insights um, for customers on how their Postgres database and then the services that Superbase offers above that. And on top of that, just try and give them insights into how that's all working. That's one hell of an elevator pitch. <laughs> you like to track things. And uh, really, this is the pivot from your original desire to be a private investigator. That was it, right? Yes. yes. Track things, yes. find out where exactly. they came from, exactly. and deliver on that. Well, yeah. my last CTO actually would just tell you that I like to stare at charts all day. So That's fair. That's reasonable. I like that. <laughs> and, and I happen to then build software to help people like stare at charts all day. Yeah. Make charts. So, look at yeah. the charts. Create custom charts. Yeah. Yeah. I totally. dig it. All right. Well, we'll dig more into that stuff here in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in celebratory mode, I think we should get to the whiskey parts. As you mentioned, it is your birthday, but you still look younger than Robbie. So it's cool. <laughs> uh, today, and I know I will probably ruin any pronunciation of this because I had it before, but. Togauchi. Togauchi. Is that what you're going with? Togauchi. 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 I, I think it's a little edgy, your accent there, but, you know, we'll go with it. Aged at least three years. Uh, 80 proof. A lot of scotches tend to be a little bit lower proof, so that tracks. It says it's matured in tunnels at a constant temperature of 57, listen to you, 57 degrees and a humidity of 80%. This whiskey is a blend of lightly peated malt and grain to suit the Japanese palate. Hopefully ours too. I'll let you go first with it, Chase. Oh, right. yeah. Or as much as you like, the whole bottle in there. I don't know. <laughs> he gave me like, yeah. fill it up. An actual glass. <laughs> yeah, it's a water-sized glass for something those uh, who don't see any video here on this. And it's just because that's the option we have here in the co-working space. I have my small Glencarn. Um, I learned today that I'm not good at giving setup instructions to our guests. So, you know, Chase already had to go back one time to get some headphones, <laughs> have him come go back another time to get a proper glass. Nobody cares. <laughs> it's got a nice, lot of really good nose on this glass for sure. <laughs> Just means he can drink a lot of it and walk home. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. There you go. You're not messing around. Yeah. This is a uh, very light. Or we can say here, you're not fucking around. <laughs> yes. It is. It is very light in color. So it's only three years or at least three years, as they say. So for scotch, I'd say that's pretty young, mm -hmm. um, especially since they're usually in used barrels. So 
you're not going to get as, as much of all of that. Maybe it's so light because it stays in tunnels all the time. You can't go outside and get tan. Mm-hmm. Crisp, mm. clean. Mm. Like. Mm. Very light on the smell. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting a lot on the nose of it, but I get a little like, yeah, I'm, I'm used to a peatiness or a smokiness from a Japanese whiskey, even as you get with a scotch. And this one, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. One of my best adjectives or descriptors is a little bit banana peels. I get a little banana peels mm. in the beginning. Yeah. For me. Mm-hmm. On the nose, for sure. I think to me, it tastes kind of like sake. Yeah. Mm, I could see that. I was going to say it's almost like, it's almost like there's not much. I mean, there's flavor, but it's like it, it kind of goes away very quickly and yeah. you're left with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that it has a little bit like I got a little. I'm saying the banana peel. I'm getting into more of like the sweetness that you would get from a sake. Get that. It's got a little burn, but you know, nothing crazy. So if I know it's there, it's around. It's not just sake. Fun fact. Did you know that the, we have a guy in Arizona who brews, I don't know if they call it brewing sake, but um, he makes probably don't call it brewing sake, but he makes sake here. And uh, he was voted the best Saki maker outside of Japan in the whole world. Huh. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. Okay. Well, and it's is... very good. I mean, uh, yeah, we'll find out exactly what it is in real time. So, yes, here's the thing is the big thing with a lot of normal or at least like bourbon, rye, maturation, like it's about the change in seasons and the change in weather so that the barrels can kind of like flex and and grow with like the changes of the season so it'll draw a little more juice into the barrel pushes it more back you know Mm. back out as like the temperatures change and with this being at a consistent temperature i bet that's a lot of why why you don't get a lot of brown in the juice itself and Mm -hmm. and why it probably has like a kind of simple smoothness to it yeah yeah interesting i don't know what humidity would have to do with that at all but yeah i really don't know how any of it works. I just like to drink it usually. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to seem like less of an alcoholic. I, yeah. you know, I've been on so many distillery tours <laughs> that I just know how it all works mm-hmm. just because I'm trying to get to the tastings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you just learn secondhandedly. Do you know if this was 57 degrees Fahrenheit or Celsius? I don't know, but I, I got that. I think I found that through the Total Wine site, like that specific information. Mm. So it's like it's part of their official marketing blurb. Otherwise, everything on the bottle is in other languages that I don't read. So that's an excellent question. I am not certain. Yeah, because if it's 57 Celsius, that's really hot. And 80 percent humidity. It's like a steam room that it's in yeah. the whole time. And I can't imagine that's a good thing. <laughs> so wines tend to get served in the 50 something degree range Mm -hmm. so i'm thinking it's more that yeah okay but excellent question i like where your head is at so we have a very technical scale i know you've probably listened to every episode of this podcast (laughs) but um in case you forgot very technical rating scale just for fun kind of thing it's tentacles because we have an octopus as our logo and so one to eight we've started like categorizing the whiskeys based on like, we might say, oh, we've tried a few Japanese ones. So in the realm of Japanese and the realm of scotches and all that kind of stuff, feel free to do whatever you want. Who cares? Put a lump them all together or saying specific to this style of whiskey. But we'll say one is the worst thing you ever had. Eight is the most amazing thing. I'm going to never drink anything else. And then kind of everything in between can occur there. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a fun way for us to, to note like how we felt about it at the time. Maybe we yeah. come back later on and revise that or... As things open up a little bit. Yeah. I'll kick it off. For me, in the sense of Japanese whiskeys, I think it is it is a little bit refreshing, which is different and weird for me for like straight whiskey. And I think it just lacks, like, it's not memorable really in any way. It lacks a little depth. Yeah, right? it lacks some depth. It lacks like, eh, it's not bad. But it's, it's a very, really it's a very good, like I, you could, I could just casually sip it and not, ha- yeah. you know, but if, if you put any ice in there whatsoever and it melts, it's basically water at yeah. that point. Right? Exactly. Yeah. But there's something to be said for 40% alcohol and it being like, no, oh, this is basically water. 
Like someone did a good job of that. <laughs> That's true. So That's true. That's a very, kind of, very good point. This is basically the vodka of Japanese whiskey. Yeah. Right? Like we made yeah. it so smooth and clean. Yeah, yeah. It's like the better the vodka, the better that is. So yeah. in that sense, I'm going to say a five. For me, it's a five. It's like, oh, this is an interesting thing. I can't imagine ever like going to like a nice restaurant or bar or something and saying like, yeah, I want to get this to sip while I'm here but maybe if it's kind of warm out and then you're still a little late or i don't know around the fire maybe and you're like mm-hmm. i don't want smoky i want something very light and refreshing maybe or this if it's hot out if it's yeah you know as yeah. it is often for us exactly yeah mm-hmm. so i could see it's like it's kind of warm sunshine but mm-hmm. it's december i'll have a little of this yeah okay. i like that i yeah. like that do you want to go chase or you want to kick yeah, yeah five i feel like is a good number I was actually thinking six. I do like it. Oh. And it's got enough bite where, I, you know, I think there's enough character to it. But I, I really do like how kind of like refreshing it drinks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So along the lines of my uh, poor instructions and information, Chase had brought his own bottle in. He was ready to party. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you can save that for yourself. Uh, we're going to provide for you. Don't yeah. worry. But uh, so do you normally drink scotches? I do. Okay. Yeah. So that's your jam. I mean, I really actually don't drink even a whole lot of different scotches. It's this Balvini Caribbean cask is like my favorite. And it's kind of the perfect amount. But it's kind of the perfect. Like there's enough sweetness to it where it's nice, I think. And it's not too like in your face yeah nice Very yeah. nice. yeah you guys know uh the hint waters that are like flavored water that tastes like berries or whatever Mm-mm. no okay i mean the fizzy the fizzy ones kind of you know the carbonated ones no they're not fizzy but they're so hint is like there's just a hint of the flavor in there so it's like you're drinking you're like this is normal water this is normal water and like a minute later you're like wait is that blackberry Mm. i feel like that's what this is like this is like this is water this is water wait is that like a scotch yeah Yeah. (laughs) so they're like this the lacroix of still waters and this is yeah have i been saying that wrong all along no (laughs) yeah it's like saying Tarjay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. They're a Wisconsin company. Yeah. It's LaCroix, damn it. <laughs> but yeah, I would say I really like admire that they somehow did that, that like this tastes like water, but at the same time, I don't enjoy it because it tastes like water. Mm-hmm. So I think for the like the props of like this is a, you know, I respect what you did, I'll give it a five. But, like, if I were going purely on taste, I would say, like, two. Wow. Like, I probably wouldn't drink it because it just tastes like water. Mm. You want a gut punch on what you're putting in your body. <laughs> I see. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Nope. Like, I like rye. I want it to be, like, right. I just took a big handful of peppercorns and whiskey and put it in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do that the next episode. <laughs> oh, man. Just you. Peppercorns and whiskey, and then we're going to watch you while we drink real things. <sighs> okay wow we should pivot to some real things that, that'd be like what are you supposed to put in your like ah oh, it's like a spoonful of something oh like cinnamon oh yeah <laughs> the, the cinnamon challenge yeah, yeah just like that oh yeah that's impossible no i've watched people try it <laughs> it doesn't go well no. i actually have never seen that in person no i haven't either i don't <laughs> think i'd be friends with those people who so are willing to do that to themselves <laughs> yeah. at this point yeah. like, you know it sounds miserable yeah did you ever try the saltine challenge? Mm-mm. I saw that too. Oh. It's like a sleeve of saltines or something. No, it's you have to eat eight in a minute, I think. Something like that, which sounds not it's that. It's not that many, and it's surprisingly yeah. difficult. I think I've tried it or somebody. I've been around, I think I have been around somebody who's tried Do you, it. What about the uh, 50 eggs in an hour? 50 hard-boiled eggs in an hour? Oh, God. That's I, the cool hand. Hard-boiled eggs make me want to throw up. <laughs> Anyways. I'm not, I mean, maybe I'm dating myself, but cool hand Luke. You ever seen that movie? No, I haven't. Oh, so that's like one of the things in there where he's kind of like, you know, he gets a little respect. Okay. I could eat 50 eggs, 50 hard-boiled eggs that's a in lot. an hour. That's yeah. a lot. I could eat 50 it, wings in an hour. That seems doable. Huh. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> Much tastier than hard-boiled eggs. Yes. So did Paul ever tell you where the name Supa base? Like, why is it Supa base? Like, he likes Supa fly or? I think they just... I think it sounds cool. Yeah. 
somehow got there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like a database, but it's super. Yeah. It's like a super database. It's like your database, but it's a super version of your database. And then you're like super is just a little like that's not fun to say. Yeah. Super. Yeah. And you can make good swag out of that. Like totally. You You can get Nicki Minaj endorsements. (laughs) Oh, is that a thing? Yeah. Super base. Yeah, no, I don't know. Is it? I have not heard. Oh, that. that's a song. I don't know. I don't have her songs memorized, apparently. That's, she has a song <laughs> yeah. called Super Bass? Yep. Apparently. Okay. Interesting. Is it all about that bass? Or? No. No trouble? It's not okay. that bass. Okay. What's funny <laughs> is I started at Super Bass, and I caught my... Evidently, I used to say super a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would like, catch myself saying like, super. And I was like, this is, I work at Superbase. I can't say super. Yes. Yes. So obviously <laughs> you became involved with Superbase through a different avenue and a product enhancement and all those kinds of things. So it's kind of a different thing, but like you've probably been drinking your own dog food for a little while too, though. Yeah. No way. Drinking and your own dog food. <laughs> eating your own dog food. Uh, have another. Sorry, yeah. Drinking the Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid and two different thoughts. Drinking your own Kool-Aid, yeah. eating your own dog food. Thank you. See? I'm getting older. What can I say? <laughs> but yeah, like I, I know a lot of people who will just say, well, okay, well, how's that different than Firebase? Like, what's the big mm-hmm. differentiator there? I mean, frankly, the biggest differentiator is that it, we're open source and it's Postgres. And so it's a SQL database, not a NoSQL database. Um and you can ultimately do whatever you want with it. I get, you know, like Firebase, it's hard. Like you set everything up in such a way and then you get to a point and then it's very difficult to go above and beyond that point. But with everything that we've set up, we think it's fairly easy to scale on. Even if Superbase isn't your cup of tea after a while, then um, the things that we built, A, they're open source, so you can take them and fork them and do them what you will with them if you want. But the core of it is all Postgres. And so that's a you know battle-tested. I'm a big fan of software that's been around a very long time and, and has staying power. Do you feel then you will be writing any PHP anytime soon? No. <laughs> yeah. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> I hear no offense if you guys are PHP guys. Uh, no, I, no. <laughs> I hear that things have become a lot better thanks to things like Laravel and whatnot. But I have heard those things as well, but I just have never really gotten gotten into it. The previous company was a Ruby thing and was a Rails thing, and then we were rewriting stuff in elixir at the end of it so that's how i got into the elixir stuff and um it seemed to make sense for like a logging sort of thing and with the interface that we're i was building like streaming stuff basically like a stream of logs it was kind of phoenix is a web framework and it's like their i mean their default thing is a chat app but a chat app all it is is like a stream of things and so it was like oh this makes seems to make a lot of sense yeah so is all of that within Superbase an Elixir thing? And there is other bits an Elixir thing? So Elixir, we have uh, Logflare is written in Elixir, and then real time, the real-time server is Elixir as well, which is Phoenix. And that's what listens to the right. That basically gives, I mean, how much do you guys know about Superbase? And Well, it, regardless of what we know, <laughs> we should tell our listeners many things about Superbase. Assume they know nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And you should always assume Robbie knows nothing. That's usually my <laughs> yes. basis of things. Yeah, so we, we did like a POC app internally, and we started looking at like a different auth provider for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of made sense. Like, oh, wait a minute, like Superbase can do not just the database side of things, but it, it's a really nice auth interface mm-hmm. and user management interface and, you know, just simplifies that. And I like to have, like, I don't want to rebuild the wheel every single time, especially in a POC kind of, unless you're trying to learn a new technology or like, eh, let's. Uh, but not- you probably built that or had to build it a dozen times before. Exactly. That's what most people really, I mean, if you look at like the breakout of most used, like it basically is like, the rest api which is because yeah. it's that it's your data but then it's auth and then i think storage and then i think real time what else is there 
for now, like but it. then that's going to scale up and be the best part. But yeah, so mm-hmm. you've got, you know, the, the best parts of uh, Auth0 in terms of like, mm-hmm. starting up a new app where you don't have to deal with that and you're combining it with the database and real-time data things. Yep. And yeah, and the fact that all these sense. things are like independent and could live on their own, but tied together in kind of like a package, I think is really what makes Supabase interesting. Yeah. It's a platform really that you're working with and you can take pieces that you need and use them as you need, adopt them as you need them or, or not. Or take them all up front. And then as you scale, if you decide you need to piecemeal something yeah. so like that also feels pretty nice. Yep. Yeah. So you're not like completely locked into the system and you've got a couple of exits if you wanted to. It's basically already like, I mean, it's spinning up essentially, I guess you would call it a microservice for your data and kind of, I mean, it's your back end, it's your whole back end really, but like you could microservice it out. Like when you get to that point. Yeah, actually um, serverless functions are a part too, right? Yeah. We just launched functions, um, before summer, I believe it was the launch week before summer. And we actually just brought a guy on to, to focus really on those and improve the experience, but so we've got the functions piece too. Still aren't serving like HTML yet, but I don't know when that's when that's going to happen. Oh, well, there you go. Astro and Superbase could just it could be the next stage. Yeah. So I don't know if you're familiar with uh, like tools like Astro.build. A little know? bit. Yeah. So it's essentially like regressing to the ideology. And I actually probably shouldn't use the term regressing. Because it's just it's doing it correctly. Just thinking about it again from a different context, because when we started separating all these things a bit more and go, saying single page applications were the thing, because we want compute from our users oh, yeah. versus compute on our servers. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe HTML is fine mm-hmm. and we could serve that and then add interactivity. I should get into this now before I have too much more whiskey. Uh, just, oh, I, or both, or both. I embarrass myself all the time, so I don't think you yeah. can do any worse. I spent a lot of money rewriting my last interface in multiple front-end JavaScript frameworks. Yeah. I regret every minute. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Which was... What did you use? Yeah, what did you use? Let's go. With um, I mean, this was literally like the new shiny thing. I think, I think it was Angular and Ember kind of like started um, the whole thing. I forget which one was first officially. And we did Angular first. Nobody knows. <laughs> and um, did a few... Got, got about halfway through a rewrite and changed our minds and then um, did uh, Ember and got about 70% of the way through that. And then I sold the company. Oh, so, well, there you go. <laughs> so, and you're like, someone else's problem. Yeah, exactly. And then they converted it to React. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like too old for React at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, probably like to start fresh, right? <laughs> because it's gone through its iterations. When I was at National Geographic, we had a Backbone application, and then, I don't know if you remember Backbone. I remember yes, Backbone, yes. yeah. yeah we, had, kinda, we talked a lot about Backbone. Yeah, and then uh, we did an Angular one app in some other property that was just oh, a nightmare from start to finish. And then I remember discovering React and thinking it was so super cool, and the fact that I could scope it down to one small part of the page, mm-hmm. you know, and like, oh, okay, I can deploy a login component that's reactive and that's kind of all I care and everything else can come from the server and we can worry about all the other parts and start to add on to that. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of what we're starting to get into again, because obviously react became a beast of its own trying to do a whole lot more Mm -hmm. else. And I do think things like Next.js, like give it some proper guardrails and make it a little more like, Oh yeah, this makes sense. There's some rules here, follow that. And Mm -hmm. you get app that can be fast, but, uh, yeah, I think just relying on servers to do a lot of the the load for us and and saying HTML did a pretty good job to a degree and let's well and in reality like how much JavaScript do we really need on the page right you know in most in ninety five percent of cases it was like honestly not that much not right li- little <laughs> to none exactly right. right yeah what's the thing I need a button that submits a form exactly <laughs> yeah so, and so I, I you know I'm kind of like an old guy about all that but we both limped in and on canes in here so yeah. i understand <laughs> but no it's it's really interesting and being in the elixir world i've been playing a lot with live view which is like basically 
diffs of HTML over web sockets. Mm-hmm. The Logflare kind of search interface is actually written in LiveView. Yeah. Actually, I've had really great experiences with it. And so being Elixir, I'm on, A, I, I mean, I run the logs, but then I'm also helped the real-time team out. And there's some edge cases there that we need to figure out. So real-time, basically, what it does is you can subscribe to changes from your database. Mm-hmm. And then you can get those over WebSockets. Essentially, imagine getting like a user record over a WebSocket when it was, you know, when it's been updated. And so then you can take that record and then like, you know, update the data on the page with it. Yeah. And we give you like the building blocks of that. And so we give you basically the, the raw stream and we give you the user record and then you just attach a listener to it and then like do what you will essentially. Yeah. The Phoenix creator, he used to work for Dockyard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Chris McCord. Yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. reading some of that stuff and think it was very cool. I, I only played in Elixir very briefly. We have like uh, some open source Electron app and the API of it. I was like, oh, I'll try yeah. Elixir for that. And yeah. Yeah. It was cool. And, and then I found that like, it was overkill for a, a basic API that I could do in serverless. Yeah. And I was like, eh, I'll probably put it over there just because of the deployment process and yeah, yeah. the maintenance for a very simple, like JSON API. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you really just wanted to play with serverless is what it was. I wanted to play with all the things. It was first Elixir. And then I was like, now I want to get into serverless because I had done a different serverless thing. So I wanted to do some more internally mm-hmm. with a client where I had to do like a GraphQL server on serverless. So I was mm. like, oh, you can do all this here? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On like Cloudflare workers or Lambda? Uh, or Lambda. With Lambda? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I've done both of those things. Yeah. Yeah. There's still some edge cases with the real-time service where you could basically get the record from the API and then you start listening to the real-time feed. Right. If that feed, if that record is busy, for instance, they're like, we have it completely tied together the RESTful and the real-time service to where, like, you're guaranteed to get all the change. Like, there could be, like, a split second where, you know, maybe you don't get one change from the record, but you'll always get, like, the latest one. And so it's not, people can, you can typically, like, deal with the edge cases there. I can't imagine the SLA on that is, like, a few milliseconds is... Yeah, there isn't a super strict SLA around it. We don't have a ton of guarantees currently, but we're working on that. And right. so that's kind of what I'm getting at is like there's some hard things to figure out, but it's uh, it's going to be interesting to help improve it. And it actually works really well right now. You know, we just it's all still kind of like newer, right? Right. Yeah. And there you go. I guess that's kind of one of the beauties too, is like, obviously you have a pool of paying customers. You have a pool of customers dealing with more like open source projects and things like that too, mm-hmm. or like the, you know, the try before you buy kind of subset too. And so you get a lot of data. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. 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 yeah we get a lot of data. We, I mean, we get a lot of signups and so we've had to scale stuff very, very quickly. So yeah. interesting. Robbie signed up. What do you think, Robbie? Yeah, I was just going to say, I complain that uh, you can only sign up with GitHub and you have to use like the one main email that's on your GitHub. So like if I (laughs) huge complaint. Oh, Uh, yeah, yeah, that was. I think that's fixed. I think they just pushed that. Oh, okay. I think they like literally. This was like a couple, two, three months ago or whatever when we were first booting up and and starting this project. Yeah. And that was a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, you can sign up with an email and password now or a GitHub account. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah, so uh, I would like it to still be GitHub, but let me use like the third email address on my GitHub. Like I want to be complex about it. Anyone existing on the user kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you do. (laughs) Of course he does. (laughs) Exactly. You've now officially uh, met Robbie Wagner. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) I would like the edge case to work. uh, What? I could click a couple buttons as a workaround. I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, use the email form and then use the third email that you used on your GitHub account. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's true. I could do that. Yeah. I could do that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we talked a lot about the uh, 
I guess this is like more upcoming features too that we're talking about, like in terms of the real time and yeah, like, the real time's there, but there's just things tightened up a little bit, and it's getting there for sure. And even like with us login form, I mean, we get a lot of people signing up, but we're getting more and more enterprises and more and more agencies, and they're you know they obviously don't want to sign up with their one you know right right GitHub. yeah I mean uh, mine. What, that's how we discovered kind of the fix of it is just that, oh, I've had GitHub forever and for a while just had it more under a personal email because, you know, as you move through your career, mm-hmm. you don't want that attached to a temporary email potentially, right. or, you know, short term email con- in comparison. But then I'll add other company emails as I move through. And I was like, oh, yeah, because this is a per- let's see if I do this. It fixes this thing. And then it allowed me to get in. And then later on, I was able to just switch it back and everything's fine. But yeah, I can see like from an agency perspective, we're signing up to like try new stuff because we want to know working with a client and what their goals are. This could be a good product suggestion because it, like I said, it solves a lot of the all zero problems, but then plus plus plus. Yep. And you're not down the Google Firebase, you know, you're not locked in to mm-hmm. which I think is a massive to another product that yeah. you're going to cancel. Yeah, maybe, you know. Yeah, or going to cancel or yeah, or like as things scale, you yeah. never know, like VCs down the line want them to use auth from ABC. Well, it's just like there's so many blind spots. Like I think one yeah. of the limitations is like you can only update a document once a second basically on Firebase and like right. that is not Fast enough in a lot of cases, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't um, think that gets you out of POC in a lot of use cases unless you just don't care about that yeah. very much in yours, in your MVP. But at a certain point, you're still going to scale out of that. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. But yeah, we've been we've been doing more and more for like the enterprise slash, you know, like agency use case and we're like SOC 2 now and so that's huge and we're looking at HIPAA and that's going to be coming soon oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. not really looking forward to HIPAA <laughs> but we're, you know but we're going to do HIPAA sounds like a hard one yeah and uh, so yeah all those things all those boxes are going to be checked and SLAs are going to be signed and all that stuff so it's coming along for sure very cool. Just don't have a SSH password of like one, two, three, four or something. And then you're fine. Welcome one, two, three or <laughs> password one, two, three. I think that's the one. That's the I best mean, one we can only do so much to protect yeah. you from yourself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> something more than that. Isn't that what happened to uh, like PlayStation? The the like root password or something was like one, two, three, four. God, so, probably. So they just hacked the entire PlayStation network and like <laughs> took everyone's like credit cards and stuff. Don't doubt it. <laughs> so you've mentioned that you have, a, I, don't know, I guess it's maybe on the back burner, a drone building and racing hobby. What do you do? What do you do here other than follow logs? Well, yeah, I used to, it was before I had kids mostly and I had a lot more time. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and it was really like when the, that, all that stuff kind of, I just saw you video on youtube i was like that looks cool like you want to do that yeah and uh i don't know i just started figuring it out it's a lot of fun but it's time consuming because you build them and you crash them and it's expensive and you have to rebuild them yeah 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 but it really is like a lot of fun once you can fly them pretty well because you got the goggles on and yeah you're going 80 miles an hour you know through trees and stuff and if you don't hit them that's a lot of fun yeah, we actually have a, a colleague slash friend who lives here that does first-person view racing. Oh, really? Yeah, so okay. I've seen a couple of those videos and whatever else. I'm like, I'm, I'm dizzy. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Somehow you don't get, like, when you're in it, you don't really get dizzy. I don't, I'm not sure how, but it's, yeah, you know, it's cool. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to kind of getting back into that when the, when the kids are a little older yeah. and they can kind of do that. So what do me. you do now then? What's your now? My now is kids. You know, I work and I have two young kids. There's there's six and four. Oh, that's funny. Mine yeah. are six and three. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. And you're in the neighborhood. I wonder. If yeah. Where do you live? 40th and Indian School. <laughs> okay. Here's my address. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that offline. And then we can talk about specific schools and whatever else. But if we're in a similar neighborhood. Yeah. 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 For sure. 
Yeah, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. They're demanding for sure. Yeah. Um, Robbie has a seven months now, so it's not like newborn. Eight month old as of yesterday. Eight month old. Oh my gosh. Let's track those. Things. Easy, man. <laughs> <laughs> Other than the lack of sleep, it's yeah, yeah. 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 I just laugh when my friends with one kid like talk about you know how much how difficult it is or whatever. Just try having two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just see, I closed up shop before they outnumber me. I was. Yeah. Like, this is a good place. They have their friends. They have each other a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and whatever we're, yeah. Whatever. We replaced ourselves. I'm in a happy place. Solid number. Yeah. So okay. What so yeah. I mean, frankly, other than that, I, I go, I, I do, um, I have like an old 1970 Jeep. No. Oh. I take that off-roading. Yeah, that's fun. Um, that seems a substantial hobby. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I'm not the one that works on it. And so, but it's fun. And I can take, I can take the boys and just stick them in the back seat. And, yeah. And they'll surprisingly last like for like a four hour oh, like, wow. trail ride. That's good. That's fun. And, um. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And there's there's like a million things to do like that around Phoenix. So it's uh there are like hiking, biking, off-roading mm-hmm. in vehicles, yep. lots of that. Robbie just sold a 60 what? Scout? So there's some debate on this. I was told it was a 65 Scout and uh, apparently they didn't make a Scout 800 until 66. So it's a 67, I think we mm. determined by the end of the sale. What did the title say? Jeezel. 65. It says 65 from Texas and it said 65 on my Virginia ones. I'm like, look, I'm not trying to like screw anyone over here. This is what I thought it was. But like, I'm just, I guess, don't know what I'm talking about. All that stuff with old cars, I just don't really care. And like, they just kind of put yeah. whatever. And he had a resto mod too anyway. So a lot of it's yeah. changed up and yeah. 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 It doesn't matter if it's Ferrari or something. Yeah. <laughs> matters. <laughs> if you're a Lamborghini guy and it's a Ferrari, it matters. Yeah. yeah. I learned this a few years ago. They hate each other. I have no idea. <laughs> really? But, uh, did you call a Ferrari a Lamborghini or no, no. Okay. So, okay. I was in Italy and a friend and I, we rented a Ferrari for the day. Cool. And we're driving around like Modena and stuff. You go to the Ferrari museum. They're like, yes, come here. Cool drive really fast to the Lamborghini museum and you try to pull in and they were like, Oh no, Ferrari, you park out there. <laughs> That's literally what he said to me. And I was like, I'm probably not going to park out there. So yeah, I guess the guy who started Lamborghini was an engineer for Ferrari, broke off, started his own yeah. company in the seventies. And it was kind of, there's a new movie on it on actually Lamborghini. That's oh. on Netflix. I believe that I've been meaning to watch. It looks good. Mm-hmm. I think it's on Netflix. I would definitely think watch that because uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. Is it called We Shouldn't Make SUVs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? They made an SUV in the 70s, though. So oh, really? They actually, yeah, yeah. This is not their first SUV. So there's precedence. Yeah, there's some precedence there. So while I kind of make fun of that, and for some odd reason here in like, um, Scottsdale area, we have a ton of them. Shit. Yeah, they're fast. And sure. I've actually seen somebody, like, launch them over, like, jump, like, like oh yeah, air like, like how do you do that with like twenty like twos and like they like really, gap stuff? Because I mean, like, they look pretty legit. Because I mean, I'm a convert on the Cayenne because I've seen how off road capable the Cayennes are. Yeah, like, the old ones were incredible mm-hmm. off road. The Lambo one is like super low profile and has these like twenty twos with like low profile. Yeah, tires. it's not really. It, I don't know. The tires would really do that well. You'd almost have to almost have to do like a Porsche. 911 Dakar oh, like yeah. thing to it where you just put little thicker tires and yes. Yeah. So he's referencing where Porsche is actually released where you can order their Safari edition. So a lot of people mm. do Safari builds on 911s mm-hmm. over the years and they even raced some and did like official like internal ones. But now I don't know if you saw you can order a 911 Dakar edition. Uh, well, that's what kind of made me think of it because I just. Like yesterday, I saw photos of it, and I'm I'm a big fan of the off road like 911 like look. I yeah. think it looks totally cool. If I had shit ton of money to blow, then you well, know, once it would be on top up, of the list. Everybody but, sign yeah. up for Superbase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, help chase out. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, the off roading thing is cool. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, my neighbor has a Bronco, like an old Bronco that mm. like is in good shape. I heard those are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's saying that because I have ordered one after I sold the Scout. So I'm waiting on it now. Yeah. Oh, nice. The new one? No, no. Oh, no, not a new one. Like a resto mod build. Yeah. On a, like an old one. Okay, sick. Last I heard it was supposed to be a 74, but I want it to be a 72 or earlier because that's the last year you can get vintage plates in Virginia. So. Oh, really? Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. You can get antique plates, but like from 72 and back, they just have the year and you just like never have to put any stickers on them or anything. It's just like. 72 and you're done i feel like out here in the wild west it's like 25 years regardless i saw like a 90s civic recently with historic plates on it yeah so you can do some of that and it was weird well it's only like i think it's only like 20 years right yeah yeah it's like Like, 20 or 25 years or something it's like we're just all now (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah if people think like a 2002 car is a classic car that's it's not yeah (laughs) Not historic at all. 2002 isn't. That's pushing it. That's really pushing. And the 90s, yeah. early 90s. I don't know. Yeah, early 90s Supra or something. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I think it should have to be made of sheet metal for it to count. Like <laughs> if it's got all this like airbags and stuff that like breaks off on purpose. Like only lap belts. You only yeah. get lap belts. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> you must get like cut in half when you wreck. Well, that's why I like <laughs> the. So it's a 1970 Wagoneer. And oh, okay. 74 or 73 is when they started the wood grain. They made them before even they did any of the faux wood grain. I had no idea. But 73, 74 was when they started kind of like the plastic interior kind of stuff. Yeah. The model that I have is like, I mean, it looks really like retro and everything is metal. And yeah. You know, when you say Jeep, I just automatically assume like a CJ or something, you know. So. No, I, yeah, I went with a Wagoneer because I had the four-door thing and the family. And I found one on the internet. I was looking around. My father-in-law had like one of the 80s ones. And he actually had two of them and he loved them. And so I started looking at Wagoneers. And I realized they had these very early editions that were a bit more, I don't know, just kind of like raw and not... I mean, they were the original SUV, literally, but it's like just not, you know, not like the bells and whistles, like Kush thing that you think of. Right. And you just don't see them. Well, no. and they were a lot less expensive than like a Bronco or something Right, like that. right. Yeah. So it's basically like a station wagon on steroids a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that. The Griswolds would have done way better if they picked <laughs> yeah. one of those. <laughs> Fun fact, my wife's maiden name is Griswold, too. That's why I like to reference it. Oh, man, that is amazing. (laughs) With that and the general area of where you live. Tell me you do the Christmas lights. (laughs) (laughs) The Griswold Christmas lights. Yeah, exactly. You should definitely do that. (laughs) T-shirts. We got all the stuff. We play it up. It's fine. (laughs) Because anytime someone learns that, they always ask that question Mm -hmm. right away, too. Oh, like vacation? Yes, exactly like that. Yeah. So, Robbie, where do you go in Virginia? You go wheeling in Virginia, kind of everywhere, or no? So I uh, don't. I like to have off-road vehicles that I don't take off-road. It's just for looks. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but I do live on a ten-acre farm right now, so I could drive it just around my property if I want. But cool. <laughs> yeah, I like them, and I it's been in the works for like multiple years. But it's like every, you know, and it's kind of like at a point where. The more I drive it, now just stuff is like breaking. I have to like fix it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think about, there's a decent amount of companies that want to keep classic cars on the road Mm -hmm. and they're doing crate motors and EV conversions and that kind of thing. Oh, I love it. I mean, mine was a resto mod and I actually put a a rebuilt big block like Buick 455 in it. I wanted to keep it retro, but I really do like the putting newer engines in it, like full-on resto mods. But even still, it's not, unless you pay top, top, top dollar. I mean, it's a car a couple of guys put together, right? Compared to like an assembly line sort of situation. And so you're going to get stuff that is just not quite going to last, basically. You got to tighten a few bolts every few years and belts aren't going to last quite as long and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely hobbyist versus this is yeah you, you have a good relationship with a mechanic if you're yeah. if you're gonna get an old car anybody with an old car that's always the case anyway. right <laughs> so, yeah i went through yeah times of that yeah. yeah 
It is funny how many things can be like clanking around and falling off and it still works. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't need half of these things. Just take them all. Well, off. and just how simple it is actually. And like you can see everything, you know, you open the hood and like you can literally see like everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The um, weird plastic coverings don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of nice. actually. Yeah. yeah. It's just a much more. Especially when you work on computers all day and like, you know, everything you do is like virtual. It just feels cool to. It's more tactile. Or whatever. Operate something that's mechanical. Work on cars yeah. on a 73 Super Beetle. I spent like $2,500 on a car with the idea of like, oh, I'll drive this around. If things break, things will be pretty cheap. Yeah. I'm going to get some books and some tools. And if I screw something up, it's also pretty cheap. Yeah. But just replace the whole thing. And yeah, the whole idea of it is there's these like tiny explosions in this metal box <laughs> that you trust yeah the only thing i never <laughs> to, really to explode with, yeah the only thing i never really screwed, i had a friend who was a mechanic who helped me do brakes i was like stopping seems more important than going <laughs> yeah. and i'm just gonna like get help on that if yeah. i can't go that's okay if I can go and I can't stop, that seems like a big yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the mo- the combustion engine is just like a, a marvel, frankly, like that they figured out how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it works for how long it does. I mean, you're talking about like three, 4,000 revolutions per second. Yeah. For 10, at, at this point, like 15 years, 200,000 yeah. miles, yeah, like 300,000 miles, like motor. Very aggressive now. process. Yeah. I don't know if you know the oatmeal that got, I think it's in Matt, Matthew Inman. Yeah. Did the oatmeal back in the day. And was he still around? Yeah. He makes a bunch of games and stuff. I know we have a couple of games and he had this, like when he switched to get a Tesla, because his big thing was, I want to get explosions further away from my balls. (laughs) Yeah. And he was just like the distance of explosions to my balls. And like, this is very advantageous to that. Just put a huge chemical reaction under your butt. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's way better. Yeah. If you light it on fire, firefighters can't put it out. <laughs> yeah. So there's that, I guess. Too. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay. It's a trade off. Everything. Yeah. There's always a life. pro and a con. There's always a pro and a con. And I don't know what the percentages are on one or the other, but I was like, oh, that seems reasonable. There's, that's why I like those rear engine cars mm-hmm. further away from my balls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of fun. Way back there good with that yep yeah it's actually incredible how hot motors get and how hot like old cars are because there's literally a piece of sheet metal mm-hmm. you know like that thick between you and this motor that's putting off you know 250 degrees externally I don't know, 250 degrees something like that right it gets warm and it kind of did the interior to where you have mats under your feet, but everything else is kind of like just exposed metal. Yeah. So my kids will like put their foot. It doesn't burn them. No, but but it's hot. And yeah, so they, they leave know. it there for a second. They're like, that's like that's hot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, this that's, is how it works. Don't need heat though. Yeah. That's what it would have been. That that's was, true. That's yeah. You like. just have those heat exchangers. They just funnel it through mm-hmm. into the inside. Mm-hmm. I remember I had a, uh, a 74 Porsche 914. And in the winter, I would still leave the target top off because I lived here. It kind of never rained or whatever else. But at night, you just put the windows up, turn the heat on, mm-hmm. and you were good to go. It was yep. amazing. So you yep. could have convertibles in the winter. Yep. Because the whole thing is just a big heater. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing. <laughs> and I trusted that. So yeah. Who knows? Right. Better or worse? Hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. Is there anything we missed about Superbase? Anything yes. you would like to plug personally? Just anything at all before we end? No, I think I think it sounded pretty good. Just use the logs feature. Yeah. That's what Chase yeah. is saying. Listen, yeah, his value yeah. is based on the logs. Yeah. And logs are really sign up important. for Logflare. Well, it actually it is gonna be like it's a separate thing right now, and it's gonna continue to be a separate thing, I think. I mean, we're gonna integrate everything. But you don't necessarily want to take that away from other applications. Well, no, we actually, I mean, we have a decent amount of revenue, not insignificant amount of revenue. And there is actually, like, if you do really want to self-host, then you should ship your logs somewhere else. Right. And 
if your Superbase interface goes down, you know, you want to be able to figure out what happened. And so it really does make sense. And, and actually, Logflare was like business source, like BSL licensed before we joined Superbase. But it's actually Apache 2 now. And so, I mean, you could self-host it under a BSL license, but it's like really self-hostable now. And we're actually improving that story because right now you don't get the logs locally when you spin up Superbase locally for dev purposes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you get them, but like you got to go into Docker and like look at them in Docker right. and it's not ideal. But hopefully by launch week, have it all packaged nicely to where you download Superbase locally, you get everything, including the logs, and you, you get the same logs interface. Feels like there's a Kubernetes story there. <laughs> Docker Compose, right? You know, yeah, like yeah. locally, but I mean, if and then, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. probably some like self-hostable Kubernetes thing that probably makes it a lot easier to do. But I think there's a Helm chart floating around for all of Superbase. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants to mess with that with, for Logflare, also, I think that okay. is not a bad idea. Yeah, but also the point of Logflare too is that we we want to provide really like affordable logging. And so ideally you should just use us and not deal with the self-hosting piece. Boom. There you go. Yeah. That was, (laughs) you should just use us. Yeah. Yeah. Good plug. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. If you liked it, please subscribe and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to whiskey web and whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io. 